Last Sunday, we kicked off a new sermon series called Scripture Twister. We'll jump into that in just a moment. For those of you who maybe have been visiting over the past few months, or maybe even today, uh, next Wednesday, this Wednesday coming up, we have our Discover PCBC class on Wednesday night. You can come, check in at the Hub. They'll get you a free ticket for dinner. You and your family, or if you're just a single, you can come as well and get that free dinner at 5, and then at 6 o'clock, we'd love to share with you what we believe, who we are, and where we're going in the days ahead. So you can be a part of that this Wednesday, if you will. We'd love for you to be there. Let's jump in on Scripture Twister. The first game ever played on the planet uh, was Scripture Twister. We talked about that last Sunday, as Satan would step into the human equation and would distort what God had said to lead them astray to bring death and destruction to their lives and destroy their fellowship with a holy God. And ever since that time in the garden, that first game that was ever played, he continues to play those mind games with you and me all these years later. And so we want to dig in and we want to see how to expose the father of all lies, Satan, who twists and who distorts God's holy truth. That we would learn skills to know how to better handle the Word of God. Our theme verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, where Timothy was exhorted by Paul to be diligent. Uh, that speaks of effort and energy. It speaks of not being too casual with the Word of God, taking it for granted and just casually reading it, but being diligent when you're spending time in God's Word to know what it says. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a worker who does not need to be ashamed. In other words, if we aren't diligent in handling the Word of God, if we're not diligently in the Word of God, we will lead a, a testimony of shameful things. Not because we want to disappoint God. Not because we want to step out of bounds, but because our flesh will take us there. So Satan, who wants to destroy you, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, does that by manipulating and twisting what God has designed and what God has declared. So let's be careful. Let's be diligent. Let's not be ashamed, and let's learn how to handle the word of truth. Don't fall for twisted scripture. And don't allow yourself to twist scripture to make it say what you want it to say. But we need to simply let God speak his truth. We don't need to fall for a half truth. We need the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us, almighty God. So how do we get there? What does that look like? Well, Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth, his revealed truth, the truth will set you free. If you don't know that truth, if you misapply that truth, if you ignore that truth, you get the opposite, which leads to bondage and destruction. So when we're in the Word, we looked at this, I'll put a slide up on the screen, of the context being boss. That when you're looking at a passage, or you read a verse, or you hear somebody quote a verse, make sure you look at the context of that verse. Things like the scriptural context, that's primary looking at the scriptures around that verse, before it and after it. Also, not just those verses, but looking throughout all of scripture. If there is a truth revealed in scripture, it will be revealed throughout all of scripture. And too many people get into division or half-truths, taking one verse and then allowing it to speak to them what they need to hear in that moment, but not seeing the full counsel of God and where it is taught whether or not it is taught throughout all of Scripture. And so, this morning, we're going to jump into another verse. Frankly, this is not a verse that I had in my preaching plan. I already had a list of verses that I hear commonly mistaught, 
or misunderstood. Had my own list of verses I was going to go through, and then all of a sudden, I got a, a text right after church on Sunday. It wasn't long. I don't know if it was the next day, but pretty soon. And one of our church members said, Pastor, you got to see this. It relates to your sermon series. It was a YouTube video, and I clicked on the link, and I could not believe what I was hearing. You're about to see the video clip, and so I'm going to set you up for the clip because it is shocking. But it's real. And it's happening today in this country in churches. You're not going to want to believe it. You're not going to you're not going to think you're going to think this is just some bizarre illustration. What you're going to hear is a Methodist minister twisting a very common verse in Romans chapter 12. And in this clip, you're going to hear this minister teaching during a children's sermon. He's going to have two children up on stage with him, and he's going to illustrate his thoughts on this verse, and he's going to bring a very unusual sermon illustration. In this children's sermon, he is going to have some assistance from a living illustration, Miss Pentecost. Miss Pentecost is a drag queen in this city where they live. And she will be, as he refers to her as she, uh, will be a part of this sermon illustration. And as you listen to this, I don't want you to discount it and say, well, that's just some crazy Looney Tune, unbelievable church. You're just using a dramatic illustration to try to prove a point in one of your sermons. I want you to understand it's becoming more and more alarming at what is being taught in pulpits across the land. 87%, or I'm sorry, 67% of pastors today don't believe that Christ is going to return as he said. That same percentage, 67%, don't believe that Christ is the only way to have forgiveness. 67%. Now, we are sheltered in the Bible Belt. We are sheltered in this region of the world and have a tendency to think that everything goes as we go. And not that we're a perfect church by any means, but certainly you're not going to see these kind of illustrations. I know we get crazy sometimes, but we ain't going here. So as you watch this, I want you to listen and see how they're using modern-day culture to interpret what they think scripture says. Watch this clip. We're grateful that you're here with us. Do either of you have any questions for Miss Pentecost? I like your eyeshadow. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you like her eyeshadow. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she'll let you borrow it when you're older, like when you're this. allowed to wear makeup. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yes. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think is great about Miss Pentecost is she reminds us that we, we follow a God who calls us to not conform to things of this world, uh, that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And that means that what I think today may have to change tomorrow if I continue to renew my mind. And it's so cool that we serve a God that calls us to continue to grow and continue to, to change into something new uh, and to not be bound by the ways that the world confines us sometimes, that, that we're supposed to live differently. Uh, so I'm so thankful that you're here with us. As am I. Yeah. All right, let's pray. God, we give you thanks uh, that you have sent us Miss Pentecost and you have called her to a life of service and preaching and pastoring and taking care of your people. We pray, God, that today the words that she might share with us in a bit uh, might challenge us to live differently when we leave this place. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. You just got to be a part of a children's devotion. Out of Romans chapter 12, 
verses 1 and 2. Go ahead and turn to Romans 12. We're going to dig in on that as we see what God says, not what a Methodist minister has just said, not what a Baptist pastor is about to say. We're going to look at what God's Word has to say. If you heard the interpretation, yes, the Bible says we are to think differently. And this minister takes that and twists it into a modern-day interpretation because, after all, you guys are antiquated. After all the things that have been taught in the church all these years, that's old school, old fashioned, not necessarily enlightened truth. Matter of fact, it's very narrow-minded truth. And so that interpretation says our minds are to continually be renewed to think differently than we have. Is that what it's teaching? Is that what Jesus declared? Well, it sounds like that if you're not digging into Scripture. It sounds halfway real when you're listening in. But what is actually being said? Let's go to Romans 12 and verse 2. God's Word says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. Notice the context here. It's about the will of God. It's not about the will of man. It's not the will of a culture. It's not the will of a political platform or any other denomination on the planet. It is the discovery of God's holy will. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so let's dig in and see what God's word really said in this verse. A verse that maybe you take for granted but clearly can be misinterpreted. Let's take a look at it. First of all, scriptural context is boss. That means we look at verses before it and verses after it. We look at the whole message that's being written. So go to verse 1. Back up a verse. Let's look at verse 1. In context, as Paul was teaching what God was revealing, he said, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters. Notice the audience. The audience is not to all people. It is delivered to those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, those who know God personally, those who are children of a holy God. So he says, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, you are to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So as we get to verse 2, as he continues this train of thought, you have to know what he was addressing he was addressing to these folks the way in which they were living, what they were allowing to happen in this body. We're going to see the importance of what we do in our bodies, what our calling is as brothers and sisters, as the children of God, the holy accountability we have before God. And he goes on then in verse 2, so then do not be conformed to this world. In other words, in this body, don't do what the world does. Don't take in the world's ways. Don't receive those things. Be a steward of this temple. He goes on to say, and you are then renewed or transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. That's the context. In this video you watched, the minister took half the verse and made that focus. The focus on thinking differently, and we are called to think differently. But it isn't to think differently from what we have heard the church teach or what we think scripture teaches or what others might think, or what a political ideology might present, or what traditional Christianity is taught, and that we need to be more enlightened. That's renewing of the mind. That's not the context. That's not what's being taught. The first thing that's being taught, write this down, the first thing in transformation, 
our lives have got to be transformed. Because apart from transformation, we are rebels against a holy God. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have different struggles. All of us have different temptations. All of us have things we want to do that are contrary to God's design and God's will. That's why we needed a Savior. And Jesus didn't come just to give us a ticket to heaven. Jesus came to transform us into his image. We're going to see that in all of Scripture. And so the first thing he says is present your bodies as being holy. Holy. Holy committed to your holy father that is your acceptable act of worship as i said before apart from god we submit our bodies to unholy living if we're not living in the word and the holy spirit is not living in us we will submit to unholy choices so hold your places we'll come back go to first corinthians now chapter six. First corinthians chapter six now in this context what we're doing is we're looking at other scriptures that come alongside, that present God's truth throughout all of Scripture. Now we have to apply another context, which is a historical or perhaps a cultural context. You have to know why Paul's addressing the believers in Corinth. Corinth, the best way I can describe it, is our modern-day Las Vegas. Everything you wanted to do could be found in Corinth. It was the wildest of all cities. It was the pleasure capital of the world. And as you would arrive in Corinth, you would find all kinds of unrighteous living, even in places of worship. We'll come back to that in just a moment. So Paul tells them, verse 18, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18, you are to flee sexual immorality. He doesn't even say stand strong against it. He says flee from it. Don't even... Don't even try to be strong in it. It will own you. Flee from sexual immorality. For every other sin that a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? He reminds them. You walk through your city in Corinth. They had all kinds of temples dedicated to the worship of Aphrodite. They had these temples you could go to, and they had temple prostitutes. And that's where you would go in the name of your pagan worship and have your worship experiences. It was a very corrupt city. It was a very sexually immoral city. And they just had grown up within that context. And Paul now, they've been reached with the gospel. He says, you no longer belong to this world system. You belong to the God who created this world. You're not to practice the things that the world practices. You are now, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do we know that and understand that? I think sometimes we're more protective of what we would call this temple, this sanctuary, than we are this sanctuary. The people will be way more protective. Don't you wear a baseball cap in here. And yet Monday through Saturday, we'll let all kinds of stuff happen right here. So Paul was addressing those challenges. He was calling them to a holy love for God through a holy accountability because God is holy. And he reminds him, know this, don't run to these false temples. Don't run to these false teachings. Don't go and do what your flesh wants to do. You need to realize you are the holy dwelling place of a holy God. Because if you are a Christian, it's not just being a part of a church. 
It's being a part of Christ. And when we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in my heart, in your heart. You become the holy dwelling place. Verse 20, for he reminds them, you've been bought for a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. So in the context of Romans 12, 1 and 2, we are not to change our thinking with the times. We're not to change our thinking with what culture tells us is new enlightened thinking. We are to match our thinking with God's holy thoughts, with God's holy revealed will. You say, well, you're old-fashioned, man. You're archaic. No, we're truth followers. What God has designed as true is true 6,000 years ago and all the way to this day. It never changes. So back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. He reminds them that your spiritual act of worship happens in this sanctuary. More than anything we do together today in this sanctuary, what we call the sanctuary at PCBC, what's more important is what happens in this sanctuary every minute and every second of every day. That I realize I get to be that holy place where God dwells. Back in the Old Testament, God dwelt in that temple. And many of them couldn't even approach his holiness because of their sin. And only the high priest could go in. Only the high priest could approach the Holy of Holies. But God ripped that veil away. He took that barrier away and made it possible for you and I to have fellowship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. We have holy access to holy God. And he allows us to be that holy temple. Let us be as holy in this temple as we expect this place to be. So he goes on, and the second thing, first he says, you are to present your bodies as holy. Not to do what you want to do, not to do what you struggle to do. Every one of us in these bodies struggle with different things. For some, we struggle with heterosexual sin. For some, we struggle with homosexual sin. For some, we struggle with pride. For some, we struggle with lust for material things. There is a battle that wages in every single temple. Paul reminds them, worship God in your body. Worship God in your person. Know who you are because you were bought with a price. Therefore, second principle. Second thing he teaches is, so don't be conformed to the world. Let's look at some key words. We've taught you in one-on-one with God and other principles, that we are to ponder what God says. We're to break out a magnifying glass like a private eye. We're to look at the words that God uses. We're to dig in and to study and accurately, diligently handle the word of God. So let's put the magnifying glass on verse 2, and what ought to pop out is the word conform. What does the word conform mean? It means to be molded into an image, to be shaped into a different shape. It literally means this uh, starting point becoming something else. And he says, don't you dare, now that you're in Christ, be molded back into the shape of this world. The Greek verb tense here talks about a constant ongoing, uh, blocking that from happening in your life. It's not a one-time thing. It's not now I'm saved, I'm okay. He says daily. That Greek tense means to daily do this battle. To watch out for being conformed to the world's thinking and to the world's ways. It is a daily battle. Another word that jumps out there, what does it mean to be conformed to the world? 
Now, as you look up this word world in the Greek, a better translation would have been in the English language is it should say, don't be conformed to this age. That word we translate world here speaks of an age. It speaks of a, a season. Uh, some of you grew up with the song, the age of Aquarius, right? Uh, speaking of a season, a, a new generation, the age of Aquarius. That word here is speaking of the world's current teachings. The things that this culture, and notice our culture today, radically different teachings than what you grew up with as a teenager. Am I right? So this age, we are not to be conformed to this age. But guess what's happening for our children? Our children every day are being institutionalized with this age's teaching. And we have, now we have school board meetings that we never dreamed we'd have to see happening in this country, arguing over things to protect the innocent and the young, the next generation. And everything in our media, and even in some pulpits, they are being conditioned with a new age thinking. There you go again, being old school Guys, I didn't grow up in the church. I'm not here to defend traditions. I am here to teach truth. The truth that is unconditional, the truth that is eternal and everlasting and will always be true no matter what this world dreams up or twists to its cultural perspective. And so Paul says, don't you dare get molded. Don't let them do it. Don't take on the thoughts and the thinking of this current age. Go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. Again, Paul reminds them, make sure, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy, through empty deceptions, according to even the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of this world. Again, translates age. Don't let those things be the Kool-Aid you drink. Don't let it be the things that form and shape your mind. Let God's word, which has always been true, always will be true. Let that be your mind. For we are to be conformed to an image. And Satan knows that. Satan knows that as a child of God, you are to be conformed to his image. So what does Satan do? He always takes what God has designed and he twists it. Let me give you another verse. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6 says this. For the one who says that he remains in Christ ought himself also walk just as Jesus walked. Our life should be a reflection and should be conformed to the image of Christ, the Holy One, not the culture that pursues the unholy. Be careful how you walk. Romans 8.29 says this, speaking of those who he would save, those he foreknew, he predestined to become, watch this, what did God design for you to be in Christ? Not just a, a ticket to heaven, but his design was to redeem you out of the unholy, to watch, to look at this, to be conformed to the image of his son. It's in all things, from head to toe. This person I am now, is a new person in Christ. 
Yeah, I still struggle with old things. Yes, I still struggle with current things. Yes, that's a battle that happens this side of heaven. But in my relationship with Christ, I just don't hang on to Christ so I go to heaven one day and miss hell. I hang on to Christ every day so I don't experience hell now through unholy living and choices. Yet Satan brings all kinds of unholy thoughts, all kinds of unholy philosophies, all kinds of unholy designs for the human race so that he can torture, kill, steal, and destroy. And so what is Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 saying? Number one, it says this, present your bodies as holy from head to toe. From what you think, from what you let in your heart, from what you do with your hands, and where you let your feet take you, let this temple be a holy place. Present your bodies as holy. Don't surrender your bodies to the things your body desires. And as I have said, and as is real, and we understand this, and we know this to be true, our bodies desire all kinds of unholy things. And that reaches all kinds of realms. And so don't you just justify the area that you struggle with, but then judge another area where somebody else struggles with. It all is outside of God's design, and all of that needs to be rejected. And in this body, in this body alone, should be the holy will of God. The second thing we see from this passage is that we're not to take on the thinking of this age. What is being taught, what is even legalized what is even normalized if it's not in scripture it doesn't belong here and it doesn't belong here so he goes on to say the third thing so how do you deal with that how do you engage this battle that's happening in this age in which you live what do you do to have victory the third piece of wisdom that God's word gives us is that we are to renew our minds why is that so important because the Bible says, as a person thinks, so he will act. That's why the enemy is always attacking the thinker. If he can get to the thinker, he gets to your temple. If he gets to your temple, he gets to your testimony. If he gets to your testimony, he then begins to bring destruction in your life. Turn over to Colossians. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3 now. Colossians 3 and starting in verse 1. Let's look at what else God's word says about this principle. Let's don't let it be a verse out here, but let's let it be all of Scripture that teaches. Colossians 3, verse 1 says then, if you've been raised with Christ, he throws it out to the audience. Only those who've been raised with Christ, only those who truly have been raised from a dead life in their sin, those who have repented and allowed Christ to make them a new creature, you've been raised up with Christ, if that's you, here's what God's Word says. You are to seek the things that are above. He's challenging me. If you're not careful, you will end up falling for all the stuff that is promoted and propagated on this natural realm, and it will destroy you. You have to live above this age. You have to live focused beyond what is being taught in this age, but you are to keep your mind set on the things above, not the things of this earth. Yet every day we're pumping the things of this earth and this age through media and through uh, entertainment and through culture and through our educational systems. Everything this world wants to say about life, very little about what God's word says about life. Set your minds on the things above, not the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life appears, uh, <laughs> he is coming back. 
He's coming back. Might share that with some other minister who doesn't believe that. Let him see that verse, will you? When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death what is earthly in you. So what does that mean for you? I've had to wrestle with that. You need to wrestle with that. They needed to wrestle with that. Because if we let earthly things live here, earthly things will come from here. I will act earthly and not heavenly. I will not honor the holy God. I will submit to unholy earthly things. He says, put those to death. How do you put it to death? You've got to crucify it. Just like they put Jesus to death on a cross, I've got to daily crucify my evil struggles. And I'll name it. Lord, I crucify my desire and I'll fill in the blank. You fill in your blank. What does that mean? What do you need to kill? He says, do that. Put to death that which is earthly in you. So then he gives some examples if you need help. That would be sexual immorality, impurities, earthly passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is also idolatry. And on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Oh, here goes the hellfire brimstone preacher. I'm just telling you the truth. There will be a day that a holy God will have to judge the unholiness of man. He is a God of love, but he is also a righteous judge. He is a God who is holy, and by definition, holy means without sin. And if there is sin on this earth, that sin will give an account. On account of these things, there's the holy accountability. The wrath of God is coming. In these, you two once walked when you were living in them. We've all been there, done that. He's saying, quit doing that. That's not who you are. That's not what God calls you to. And a matter of fact, don't also get this holy self-righteousness and start judging those who are where you used to be. You better go and take my gospel to them. You better love them to the cross, but speak the truth in love. Give them truth, not the so-called wisdom of this age. And he goes on to say this, you once used to live there, but now you must put them all away. What's going on in your temple? Are you being transformed daily, throughout the day? Or are you finding yourself being conformed back to your old ways? First Peter chapter 1 said it this way, verse 13, write it down in a reference. He said, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Again, we see this whole teaching through Scripture about guarding our minds, watching our minds, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. He says, prepare your minds for action. Be sober in your spirit. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. So you see, Romans 12, 1 and 2 can't be a cute little verse we pull out and marry up with the wisdom of this age it must be received as God has presented in all of scripture that God desires for you the very best he wants you to have an abundant life he's not there to put you in this church box but he is there to protect you from the lies of unrighteous living he is there to protect you from the enemy of your soul he is there to give you the abundant life, and that abundant life is found when I set my mind on the things above, not the things down here. 
So Satan will place before you like he did Adam and Eve. Look at this. Hey, what about this? Doesn't that look good? Oh man, you better get some of that. And because we take our minds off of him and his revealed word, and we place it on this natural realm, we become easy prey just like the first human beings who fell even without a sin nature. It goes on to say in verse 15, here in 1 Peter, so be like the Holy One who called you. Be holy yourself in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Peter basically was preaching what Paul preached in Romans. He says the same thing. Present your bodies as holy. Be holy as he is holy. Reject that which is unholy. Be transformed. Set your mind on the things above. All of that is taught throughout all of Scripture. That is God's will, and that's what God said in that passage. 1 Corinthians 2. You don't have to turn there, but I'll just keep reinforcing you. This truth throughout all of Scripture about the power of the mind. He said, 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. But a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You cannot try to figure out life just with your natural thinker and what you naturally think. And those outside of God who have not received a new mind in Christ, they can't understand truth until God opens the eyes. But the one who is spiritual discerns all these things, yet he himself is discerned by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You don't just have eternal life, you have a brand new life. You don't just have a ticket to some place called heaven, you have a brand new person from head to toe. You have a new heart in Christ. You have a new destination through Christ. But you have a new mind that helps you connect with Christ. Walk in that thinking, not the natural thinking. Crucify those things that are earthly. Don't be conformed to this world which is unholy, but be transformed. Go from the unholy natural to the holy supernatural. How does that happen? Starts with your thinking. And surrendering that by setting your mind on the things above. The God who saved you and the God who sent his word to you. The only way I can take on the mind of Christ, yes I have the mind of Christ. But that mind will not be his if it isn't connected to what he has revealed. And So get into the scripture. and Don't let Satan twist it. Be diligent in connecting with the word of God and the person of God. Handle it accurately and let the truth set you free let's pray about it with every head bowed and every eye closed say wow i always thought romans 12 1 and 2 is a little simpler than that no it's powerfully powerfully enlightening because all of us the bible says all of us have a way that seems right to us we think this is the right way to go, the Bible says, but it leads to more destruction. My thinking gets me into trouble. Doesn't, doesn't your thinking get you into trouble? Come on. You know, make your wife give testimony. Hey, all of our thinking gets us in trouble. But if we will take on the mind of Christ, we can have the abundant life he promised, and we can give honor to him in our eternal life as well.
But maybe you're here today and you have not done business with a holy God. Oh, you know there's a holy God. You know God exists. You talk to him. You pray to him. How do I know? Because I did that when I was growing up. I need God to help me. I knew there was a God, but I didn't know him. I didn't know Christ personally. I'd never given him control of my life. I was in control. I thought, here's what my thinking was. My thought was, if I started going to church with Cammie, God would love me more. If I joined that church, I'd get on a roll at a church, that'd be my ticket into heaven. If I'd quit going to the parties with my friends and start going to church with Cammie, God would be pleased. And I'd have me some religion, and I'd have my assurance. That's what I thought. And then I started hearing God's thoughts, the gospel. That no man can be righteous, and we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That our righteousness is like filthy rags, and it separates us from his holy presence. And that there was only one way, one truth, and one life that could give me life, that is in a person, Jesus. Not in a church membership, not in a baptistry, not in my good works. It's found in a personal relationship with Jesus. The one who left his throne, the one who went to Calvary, the one who died in your place and in mine. That's the truth. That's the way to God. And that's your life. If you've never experienced that, we would encourage you, whether you're here in this place or viewing online, that today you would humble yourself and say, God, save me. I need you to save me from my sin. God, I give you my life. Would you surrender your life to Christ this morning? Right where you are, say, I don't know how to do that. The Bible says you just call out to God, ask him to do it. He does it. He saves you, not you. But he can't save you if you don't let him. Say, God, save me. that was your prayer just now or if that's your need maybe you need to know more there'll be ministers here at the front we have some people that will encourage you from scripture and we'll show you what that means we're going to encourage you to come there are others here today we need to take this time before a holy God in our holy temples and we need to kill some earthly things some earthly thinking some earthly actions those things that are twisted in our hearts. Would you give those to God today? The Bible says he will cleanse you and forgive you of all that stuff. All of it. But again, you've got to give it to him. There may be somebody here who needs a church family. We'd love to be your church home. You can come. You may need somebody to pray with you. You're struggling. You're hurting. we got a prayer army. we got people who'd love to pray with you right down here. But we can't pray with you if we don't know you need it. So I'm going to encourage you to come. I'm going to pray. When I'm done praying, if you have a need, we'd encourage you to step out and let God meet that need. Lord, that is our prayer. In this moment, this would be a holy place and a holy time. Not because we're in a church building, but because your holy presence is here. And if we know Christ, we are that holy dwelling. We are that temple. Lord, if there's somebody who doesn't know you, God, today, change that and make them holy. Do what you need to do in these moments. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Ministers are here. If you need to come, we're waiting on you. Come on.
private sanctuary just between you and your God have you surrendered all this morning are you still hanging on to something are you still letting that own you in this moment surrender it say God I surrender I kill it I give it to you I don't want it to live in my life any longer God today take this away and you will would you surrender all he's going to sing it over you you respond how you have to and then we'll close Jesus, I to the 